You're listening to the Hidden Battles Podcast, brought to you by HiddenBattlesFoundation.org and our sponsors, John Dot Credit Union, DCU Digital Federal Credit Union, and Roads Remodeling out of Nashville, New Hampshire. Welcome to the Battlecast. This is the Hidden Battles Podcast. I am in the office, and I'm going to try to loop everything together and make it all pretty. I'm in the uh, office of Dr. Laura Sheridan. We had this great conversation and as again, technology has beat the crap out of me. I'm embarrassed. I'm like, literally, I'm like, we had this awesome conversation going. I look down, I'm like, my Zoom Hero 6 is not working. And now, guess what? Zoom Hero 6, I'm not liking you. I'm not upgrading. But we're going to try this again. And we need some free tech support. Ugh. Can we put that on Twitter? I, yeah, I'm going to. I don't do Twitter. Neither do I. I can't brain it. It's uh, no. a lot of shit, yeah, brain. No, I did Twitter, and uh, then a cancel culture came along and was like, hey, Hidden Battles. So then we canceled that, and now uh, I, I'm supposed to, people tell me to go to LinkedIn. Yeah, and it's I, like business Facebook. Yeah, and, and I'm like, eh. But no, I, I don't even like Facebook, but I use it because I have to. Yep. So, but anyway, Laura, how are you? You know, I am just living the COVID dream right here. <laughs> I'm in the. I'm living the technology nightmare. <laughs> I can tell you. So you are now you are now in the top three. I did a whole interview uh, with a guy named Ricky Johnson, who came to my house, sat in the podcast studio. We did this amazing, like heartfelt, like life, like recreation to mental health, talking everything else. And I finished it, and I was like, "This is great." And my computer updated as I finished. I'm like, "Oh, that's all right." And I came back, gone. <gasps> so then Ricky actually went back to South Carolina. I'm like, oh boy, this is not good. Hey, bud. Yeah, so it, that's happened. Um, it's happened to me a couple times. I had a, a state rep come out, do it. And and now you, you're number three. Hmm? I don't even, how do you say three in Spanish? Yeah, that's your new, that's your nickname. Thank you. Trace. Trace. Yeah, I Trace. I like that. Um, all right, so you are, uh, you're a doctor. You're originally, I, I'm just going to quickly give this up because it's all in the the unrecorded podcast, which is amazing. <laughs> um, there a doctor originally from Michigan. You went to Michigan State, Woo. right? Spartans, go green. Go green yes. Okay, correct. And Thank then you. you came back here. Uh, you're living in the 128 uh, belt. Your mom worked for BU. Yep. Free school. Free school. Got your PhD. Hung out on a little square patch of grass you called the beach. Yep. Homeless people aggravated you for money. Yeah. Well, I think that's everyone in Boston. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, uh, do, 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 do. Where are we now? Uh, your brother-in-law is a, a law enforcement officer. You actually married, uh, and then your husband became a police officer. That is true. Which is, you asked what my coping strategy was, and mm-hmm. my coping is uh, probably an unhealthy level of denial that he is actually in law enforcement. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but he's in a good department, so that's a good thing. Yeah, because so I'm when, very lucky. Yeah, because when you're in a crappy department, that adds so much more stress. Um, catching up, catching up. Uh, your office and the recorded unrecorded podcast uh, i was describing your office and a lot of people know me and i when i describe going to therapy i don't like the hiding in a corner the dark office the you know leaving out another entrance that you came into your office is very very bright it's not like institutionalized white um it's comfortable you have stuff on the wall you can look at you have these amazing pieces of art uh tell us about the art once again so i worked with somebody um over a period of time in michigan 
And what I was gifted at the end of that person's treatment was a series of, um, I believe these are marker drawings of personality change over time, which I had professionally framed per their instructions. And yeah, they're always a conversation starter because it's very abstract. I like it. It's very comfy. And And you get Michigan State right behind you. Yeah, that's pretty. (laughs) No, it, actually, it is very pretty. Yeah. But no, I, I like it because of the fact that it's, it's very comfortable here. I don't feel like I'm being um, like prodded. I, I, I don't feel like people are just staring at me. And and so, wait, you have this. I also have this. This was another a gift. Therapy does not bring the guilt and shame of drinking and cutting. Wow. That was um, somebody's homework mm. assignment. Wow, that's really and nice. And ended up being a gift. Yeah. Yeah. So... We were talking earlier. <laughs> hey, you know what? I have these same um, home goods. I wish I could say that I was even that like highfalutin, but yeah. like I buy everything on Amazon. I do too, believe it or not. Seriously. So I'm sure I, I got the inspiration probably from like a home goods yep. flyer. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to go to the store. I, I need this delivered to my home. Yeah, I'm sitting on this really uh, comfortable leather couch, and it has these really nice pillows that I got at Home Goods. But she was smarter, and she didn't fight that crowd and went and <laughs> got them on Amazon, like me. So we were talking about earlier. We were talking about how you, as a clinician, uh, and how I think a lot of people really got into the mind of what therapy is kind of like, or because of like, say, the Sopranos. The yeah. Sopranos really because Tony was constantly going to therapy. It kind of brought light to that. Although I wouldn't say that that's the most realistic therapy. Well, I thought he went to an analyst. No. Was he laying it down on the couch? No, no, no. He sat in a chair across from her and they stared at each other. However, what what intrigued me the most was the fact that the clinician went and saw a clinician. Yeah. And like de-stressed. And and that was one of the questions we had talked to online, offline, when it didn't record. Um, (laughs) So... Try explain that again to us about you. Like, when do you see that it's starting to affect you, and you know how you have to take care of your mental health? So, part of training, and this was actually pretty explicit in grad school. Um, I have, I can remember at least one conversation with my advisor. It was basically like, if this is going to be your chosen profession, you better get your own therapy because um, I'm sure she had a, a different way of saying it, but the, essentially, like this shit's hard. And before you start messing with people's heads, your head should get messed with. And in a very, you know, kind of tough love way, like you need to know what it feels like to be vulnerable. You need to know what it feels like to not know. You need to know what it feels like to be stuck and going in the same goddamn place over and over and over again and feel desperate and in need of help. Relatable. Relatable, right? Like, and also, how does it feel when you get better? Because guess what? Your people aren't going to know when they sit down in front of you on the couch. Nine times out of ten, people come in. They're like, I just don't feel good. Like, And what does that mean? I don't know. And even like with law enforcement, when we do like interview people, we can actually see like breakthrough periods of like when we we could like, all right, that's a tell. And if you don't do that for yourself yep. and you don't train to that, you could actually skip something that was really traumatic that they're trying to hide by simply by sitting forward, sitting back looking left, looking right, um, a twitch, a stutter, something, mm-hmm. without seeing that. So then you think now in your therapy session, like if something's saying now, and you feel uncomfortable, you sit back and you're like, oh, I noticed I sat back. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost not role-playing in a sense, but it's it's that peer support thing that we talk about. 
you're putting yourself like I've been there. I can relate to that. Yeah. Which is great because and I think because I always wondered, I'm like, what do therapists do and clinicians do when they absorb? Yeah. So much because you could hear some of the most horrific things on the planet. Absolutely. And then you go, oh, I'm done. I'm, I'm walking home. <laughs> and that's not and that's not the way it is. Like with like uh, law enforcement is not the way either. We mm-hmm. like, all right. Yeah, it didn't bother us. But literally when your husband walks to the door, you can like just by his demeanor, you can go, "Ooh, not a good day. Or it's one right? of those things. I mean, you know, you've been married for a while. You can kind of see like where somebody's at. Um, but yeah, like, you know, when it's something that really hits home because people have a tell is probably a, a, a more succinct way of saying it. I just know, you know, when you have that gut feeling of like something's off, I don't know what it is, but something. So we established your husband's in law enforcement. Now, how hard is it to be a doctor, a wife, and then a wife of a first responder? And how do you separate the three? I don't know. I mean, I have to at some yeah. level. Yeah. I kind of joked, but you know, on reflection, I think I do engage in like a level of denial because when my husband and I first met, he wasn't in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And so it was a process, a developmental process in our relationship to have him change careers and go through the academy. And, and it in some ways was kind of overshadowed because we found out we were pregnant at the same time that he was in the academy. Yep. Um, so it was like, oh my God, you're a, a new career. Oh my God, we're going to have a kid. Like, <gasps> Oh, we're yeah. actually going to be adults now. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, no more impromptu vacations. And let's, hey, let's just pack up and go for the day. Well, yeah. and like there's somebody who needs you to survive, mm-hmm. like holy level of pressure. So it was a lot of like uh, punch in the face level of life transition. Yeah. Um, and then going forward, part of what makes our relationship work is that we kind of trust each other to do that like self-check of like are you okay or what do you need and when we need something we let each other do that oh nice so for me i was a distance runner for a very long time and still kind of play with that and he was in jujitsu and we both kind of took on each other's hobbies and like experimented with that yeah um so when he needs to go roll he rolls Mm -hmm. if i need to go for like a 10 mile run he's just like see ya i got i got the kid and uh and usually that's good no no that's good like i know that because of what my wife goes through with me and then everything we've been doing through hit battles like when i have miserable days like i because i can like we had mentioned earlier like you could be bitchy yeah like last asleep trauma whatever and like my bio clocks all over the place because one i don't sleep well but then i've had so much trauma in my life that i can tell you january february march i'm an ass Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's something I can't help. I'm just that way. And I try, and like, I try to be nice, but there's days I snap over the littlest thing, like technology. Is and it- I'm looking at the Zoom, and it's working, thank God. Um, <laughs> but like, um, but we like we were talking about that, like, it's so, so baseline off of mental health that it, it yeah. spreads to so many other things, um, whether it's substance abuse or abusive relationship or whatever. And then even as far as like, with me, when I was in law enforcement, shutting down, like come home from work and and say, how was your day? It sucked. And that was it. Like, I didn't want to talk about it, nothing. And then, you know, where now you're what you do for a living. And then your husband comes home and you're like, you know, do you poke, do you prod or just, you give space or right. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, that's what I always find fascinating. I'm like, all right. So you have somebody 
that goes to the trauma. Now you have somebody that deals with the trauma all at home, and how do you separate the two? To so now you're not going. All right, am I judging, or maybe Mrs. McJudgy? And you we'll know, have now, conversations about that. Yeah, and, of like, and, if I'm being mother hen, like yeah. you need to just fucking tell me. Yeah, because and put your hand up. Yeah, because a lot of times we listen. We deal with enough administration at work that we don't want to deal with it at home. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, and I just I I'm like that dynamic just. Because my wife just knows. She's like, oh, she'll be like, you're being an asshole. I'm like, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Like, I'll, I'll make di- I'll, I always make dinner. But I'll, <laughs> you know, I'll make something nicer, you know. But but yeah, no, and it happens. But mental health first aid. Um, I, I'm a huge component on that. Um, and we've talked about, you know, that. Earl, oh, fucking Zoom you. I hate you. This, yeah, this podcast not brought to you by Zoom. Please stay straight. <laughs> Uh, Rhodes makes a great one. Um, speaking of that, uh, let's go to our sponsors for a second and we'll come back. This portion of the broadcast is brought to you by Rhodes Remodeling LLC out of Nashville, New Hampshire. Give Billy a call at 603-438-5302. Professional construction and quality, licensed, insured, veteran owned Rhodes Remodeling. Check them out on the internet, RhodesRemodelingNE.com. It's RhodesRemodelingNE.com. Once again, check them out. Call Billy. Let him know Hidden Battle sent you. 603-438-5302 for all your remodeling needs. And we're back. Thanks to our sponsors, DCU, Shawnee Credit Union, and Rhodes Construction and Remodeling out of National New Hampshire. See how I worked that in? That's all amazing. Right. So, um, it's almost like you've done this before. Yeah, once or twice. I figured it out. Hard. <laughs> so you're part of a peer support unit for New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, there's a collective amount of, I think I, I what I, I counted was 13, uh, clinicians on, at least that's all I could find Yeah. when I, I did some research on that. So there's so. a lot of, I don't want to say we're in hiding, but yeah. it's kind of that thing where it's like, you just, you're like, put your hand up. You're like, yeah, I'm happy to do it. Mm-hmm. And then like, you may or may never get activated yep. for lack of a better term. And so you're out there, but you know, don't necessarily do a ton of stuff and, the, the group that you set in on is a group of people where like we explicitly either focus our entire practice on first responders or vets mm-hmm. or have a very active presence in peer support, SISM, yep. what have you. Um, and that is a relatively small number yeah. because it is like I remember when I first got into it, it was like a big thing to be like, you know, coming from a traditional psychotherapy model where I have a person has my eight o'clock on Thursdays every day. Mm-hmm. What happens when you're on a four and two? Yeah, but your schedule always changes. Yeah. Your schedule's always changing. Yeah. What happens when you go from first to second to third shift every quarter? And that's, yeah. And that's what's hard for us with with um, with programs. We can do programs every Friday at 1030, but because of the rotating schedule and the, the erraticness of, of every schedule on first responders, even nurses. Oh my God. Like, never consistent schedule i think the only people that have consistent schedules that we deal with are sheriffs and they don't have the normal saturday sunday off they usually have like tuesday wednesdays and every week however what define the demographic that fits into that one friday right it's too hard and then define an administration that'll allow them to go to this it now we're now we're we're trying to find you know the keeper of the seven keys we're never going to find that guy and Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so you mean but I mean, it, it think it's great that mental health is coming to the point now we're going, okay, our first responders, our veterans need this. And it's taken too long, to be honest. Oh with my you. God, yeah. yeah. 
Now you you do SISM also. I do SISM, which is a, which is not a new not a new uh, theory of process, but it's new ish ish. Yeah, now people are starting to use it more. Yeah. Um. And and and, I, and it's like this. I feel bad for you guys listening because we've had this conversation. So I'm trying to recap on some <laughs> of the things that we talked about. <laughs> um, but we had talked about uh, post-traumatic stress and trauma is more of a specialty. Yeah. Right? It's because uh, I think people go, oh, no, clinicians should know all about this. Well, and that's but, not an unreasonable expectation. Mm-hmm. But you think about like getting out of the academy when you first become in law enforcement and like, you know, the stuff and then you get on the road and you're like, well, fuck me. Like, yeah. well, I kind of don't like, yeah. but what about this? And what about this? And I didn't know trauma presents like this, this and this. Mm-hmm. And welcome to mental health. Like I have a fucking PhD. I'd like to think I'm educated. Yeah. And then you get into these situations and you're like, oh, no shit. Yeah. Like, well, I'm going to write that one down and uh, let's get more educated. Like, yeah. what about this? What about this? What about this? Cause, and, and then you meet every patient and every person has something that works better for them. Yeah. So that and that is like law enforcement and fire services and even medicine. Yeah. Not everything is cut and dry. It's very fluid. It's constantly changing. You have to evolve with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like everything, you have to constantly educate yourself on stuff because yeah. things change, processes change, stuff like that. And it's funny because I never thought because I'm obviously not in in your profession where I'm like. Oh, therapists should know all about this. But then when I started going to see therapies, like you should see somebody who specializes in trauma. I'm like, don't you guys all isn't specialize that, in trauma? Isn't that why you guys are employed? Yeah, I know. No. And then, yeah, and I'm like, because then people are like, oh, but then I think, listen, I'm not a, a sexual assault or violence crime expert. You know, I did traffic. Um, there are people who are, you know, breaking and entering. They do nothing but breaking and entering thing. You know, stuff like that. So there are specialties in everything, but it's just the. I'm not going to say ignorance, but it's the naive yeah. way I was thinking about it because I wasn't exposed to it. Where now right. I'm a lot more exposed to it because I do a lot more interviews and talk to therapists yeah. and clinicians and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense now. So it's everything in key of life is constantly educate yourself. Right. Right. Well, and why 15 patients, even though you like, if you were to say to somebody, how many hours do you work that you get quote unquote paid for? You'd laugh hysterically. If you said I work 15 hours a week, but when you quantify what each client hour brings in terms of processing and education and paperwork and advocacy, all of a sudden you're talking about double and a half time. And yeah. it's like, oh, and that's what it means to, oh, I'm biased. From my perspective, that's what it means to do a good job is not just half asset. Okay. I'll see you. I'll slap your note down yep. and move away. Mm-hmm. Like, no, like, oh, you have this kind of trauma that manifests in this way. I'm going to learn more about it. Yeah. And if I can't, I'm going to refer you to somebody who can because that's what it means to do a real job. And it's funny because in the real world of not first responders, because we get paid from somebody, you know, we get paid for hours there. And if we're there extra, we get comp time, overtime, whatever. Yeah. However, with you, it's billable and non-billable hours. Right what you're actually doing. So, I mean, how much it goes into like the passion of you, what you're doing, you know, you're very invested. You, you know, you're in it because of the fact that you love doing what you're doing, but now you have a husband now who is in it. Super so, personal. Yeah. So now you're like, all right, I, I'm not, I'm going to learn more about this to better myself where some people are like, I'm no, that's going to be more money. And I've met those clinicians who strictly do what they do because they know that that's a hot topic right now. They can bill a lot of money out for it. They only take the high three insurance companies, 
you know, where I can tell from you where you're on you're on a peer support team. You do SISM. Like this is more than just Yeah, this is yeah, this is more passion than profit. I'd like to think so. Yeah. Well, me too. And looking at your office, I'm gonna tell you that it's not before office. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like <laughs> there's a hole in the wall. No, no, this I think is, I saw some mice. <laughs> no, this is this is very nice. I mean, you have a little fridge and a little microwave, but whatever. No, no, actually, your office is very nice. I'm just picking on you. I love that. No, that's awesome. Um, but and that's what, and that's really what we need to find, uh, and where your personal connection is. Like I said, you, your brother-in-law's in law enforcement, your husband in law enforcement. It, it brings that connection to like, wait, I can help with the tools I have, I can help. And the experiences I have, I can help. And we talked before where you're like, I'm not so much a peer, but I've convinced you, you are a peer. Well, when you put in that side of like, but peer also includes like the family, I'm like, oh, well, shit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what is it like to have to like worry about your husband's mm-hmm. on second and yep. he's not home and it's one o'clock in the morning? Yeah. Like, oh, well, did he find the body and he's stuck with it? Yeah. Or is he in trouble? And did he you... get hurt? Nobody called me. Um, right. Is it just that he got so, and this has happened to me before where I've come home doing a very angry wife, where I've gotten so wrapped up in what I was doing, I look at the clock and go, she's sleeping, it doesn't matter, I'm not calling. And then I come home at three in the morning, she's got her arms crossed sitting in the bed. Where the F you been? <laughs> I'm like, at work? Working. Oh, really? I'm like, yup, I brought you a nice coffee. You know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so that's that's also, you know, something that uh, pops into, you know, a mind of, yeah. of a spouse. Where, where I said before, like, you're a peer now because now when you talk to officers or you're dealing with somebody, you can say, you know, like, I, I know that with a lot of first responders, we go and we're like, we go home. You know, I have a shitty day. I come home. My wife's pissed off at me. I'm yeah. getting yelled at that. I got the kids. Excuse me. Um, and then, but now you can relate and say, well, listen, look at it from the other, you know, yeah. the other hand, you know, being, you know, and I know you don't tell personal stuff, but you like, think of it from a different perspective, what they're going through. The, yeah. the nervousness and thinking every time that you walk out the door could be the last time you walk out yeah. the door, you know, and that stuff. And then when you don't come home. Blink, it's, blink. Yeah. Almost like the deployed wife that sees yeah. somebody pull up on the driveway they don't know. They instantly think death. Right. You know, so that that runs through people's minds, um, opposed to because there's not that many professions, although pizza men, I didn't know more people die as pizza delivery men than police officers in the That's line of duty. really shitty. Oh, for speeding? Uh, <sighs> like, it's crazy. I did a statistic and I was like, oh. Oh. Pizza live matters, dude. Like, well, seriously, like, and like, yeah. and you're working for tips, yeah. like, oh, no thanks. But yeah, so I, I think if that's like one of the only other professions, because not many other professions. Who goes to, to random people's houses? Yeah. Only now in the the realm of COVID is yeah. it even considered normative? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like DoorDash, Instacart. Yeah, yeah. and you're expecting that. But yeah. I mean, when you're 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 a wife or a husband or something of a first responder, and somebody strange is coming up on your door. Sometime in the back of your head, it goes immediate to the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, and when first responders start to understand that, that that's what the family goes through. And I think it's starting to come to the forefront that the wives and stuff have, I mean, this isn't Mad Men in the 50s anymore. Yeah. You know, where they just sit at home all pretty and when, you know, when come home, I get my slippers and my smoking jacket and a scotch and the kids are scurried away. It's it's not that way, obviously, mm-hmm. anymore. It's It's now, it's a pass off of a kid because the wife... Her hair's frazzled. She wants to choke somebody and, you know. And then she goes to choke people. Yeah, exactly. Like you. Yeah, you try. go and grapple. So It's fun. Yep. Um, so 
Yeah, I mean, when you think of that, that's why I said you have more of that peer connection that you didn't understand because yeah. you have a different perspective of it. Yeah. And the, everything now is perspective. Like I, I, I mentioned, not knowing your job until I started talking to more people to understand what you do and different perspectives. And same thing with law enforcement. People don't understand unless they're educated on it. Right. Um, but like, all right, so mental health first aid, activities, stuff like that, right? Yeah. Keep yourself grounded, present in the moment, because it's so easy to get stuck on the shitty ass calls yep. or anticipate the shitty ass calls that you're going to get next shift. Yeah. And that helps you process trauma, correct? Yeah. I mean, processing trauma, trauma. Uh, I mean, we're doing so much research and by we, I mean like professions, not me personally. Um, processing trauma is like, I, I, I almost have no words for it. Is it recording? Yeah, it's still recording. Oh, thank God. Um, yeah, we're doing good here. Woohoo. Don't worry, I can edit all this out. I still hate you, Zoom Hero 6. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm not editing that out. People need to understand my hate for this machine. Right, and how much work Scott puts into this yeah, shit. It's a great machine. It just doesn't like me. It stares at me with this little blinking face. Judgy yeah. eye of Sauron. Yeah. <sighs> um, I hate it. Um, so processing trauma. So there's ways of coping with trauma. I guess that's how I see like mindfulness and activity which is it's a way of like keeping yourself in the present in a safe place and being like in the here and now i'm good because it is so easy even if you're just talking about like generalized anxiety that what if thinking like oh what if she says this to me and then what am i going to do and what the fuck and and then you're like chewing your nails sitting in your cruiser like freaking out about four thousand steps that could happen it's like whoa bring yourself back yeah um, add some trauma to it and all of a sudden you're having like a massive panic attack you think you're dying and you're going to the ER yep. um, so processing trauma is challenging because as you can imagine nobody wants to feel re-traumatized so it requires being kind of present in the moment while you're ta- thinking and talking about the bad shit that happened and that's like a really hard dance to do so things like running, grappling fucking knitting like i don't care whatever it is whatever it was that works is a way of kind of like helping yourself manage Mm -hmm. and then it's not that you can't use those strategies in a treatment it just Mm -hmm. wouldn't necessarily like you wouldn't grapple with your therapist i specifically have my informed consent like i do not treat people i train with because i do not want to call my malpractice carrier to be like hey I accidentally broke my patient's arm while trying to arm bar them poorly as a white belt. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my malpractice carrier is going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? And why are you licensed? My, so you guys aren't here in the office, but the office is actually just laid out as a pad on the middle of the floor with a <laughs> Gracie <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu logo on it. Um, there's a beanbag oh in the corner. Jimmy's going to be and so pissed. It. No, actually, this is a, it's a very nice office. But no, um, but Laura's actually into uh, jujitsu. We actually talked about that. Um, I've referred to it as a snuggle with a struggle. Yep. Um, and, and a couple others I'm not even going to say. Folding <laughs> <laughs> PJs with people still in yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. So um, on the other hand, and, and we've talked about this too, um, over-medicating or self-medicating with working out yep. um coffee. stuff because yeah coffee um alcohol painkillers whatever it could possibly be and there's that that fine line and then you, you have to sit there and think wait this person works out way too much and we and we saw a lot of that with um 
the the movie um, American Sniper. Oh. Um, when uh, Bradley Cooper was, uh, well, Chris Kyle, when he was dealing with a lot of post-traumatic stress, he started working out like a crazy person, and he just didn't. It was like rage working out. Yeah. Um, and and for people who are listening, if if you're getting to that point, that's a big sign. That might be a, a cue that we should chat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, give us some what you think for first responders would be something that somebody would almost self-diagnose, not WebMD it, like, but what would be some tells that you're actually dealing with trauma and should probably start to seek help? Um, Way to put you on the spot. Well, I mean, it's a good question, though. Mm-hmm. I should have an answer. Uh, part and part of it's because this is where I notice, but it's also something I hear clinically, so I, I like to think that I'm, you know, representative of a, a general human population. Mm-hmm. Irritability. If you're like, I'm just fucking bitchy all the time, mm-hmm. huh, just be curious. Why? Constantly combative. Constantly combative. Mm. If you feel like you're constantly like having a hard time catching a breath, mm. um, with I, I can't even just say it's uh, with a lot of guys, but even with women, a lot of times depression and trauma will come out as anger. Mm-hmm. And so that's the part women are socialized to like just tamp it down because that's not ladylike and it's not polite. Mm. Guys have a little bit more leeway, but then you get cast as like, you know, the the, the hot ass or the, yeah. or the person flying off the handle. And that's like, that's not too great either. Yeah. Um, and then sleep problems. Like, are you waking up in the middle of the night? Is it really hard to go to sleep? Or is it hard to put your phone down because you don't want to be stuck with thoughts in your head? Yeah. I've noticed um, with the depression part of it, and people don't realize that this is depression because I figured it out for myself. Um, the lack of wanting to go to work yeah like just i'm gonna just gonna lay here i'm not sick but i'm banging out because i have the time or or finding any reason to not go to work spending that time convincing yourself to stay home for no reason whatsoever and i and i did that Uh, and i've actually talked to a lot of administration about that as far as instead of writing people up for abusive time how about finding out why they're abusing time? Right. Or instead of writing them up because they flew off the handle on a call, find out what's going on in their life that caused them to act out of character. And it's character traits. Right. You know? Um, I'm glad that was a good question. I, I get those every once in a while. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, and we've already discussed on the separation of clinician, wife, my first responder. We've done that already. Um, what do you see as uh, a good tool for first responders to stay mentally healthy? Oh, that's a, again, good questions. I like look down because I'm like, fuck, do I have an answer for you? I don't You're know. Like, These are not the questions he sent me. <laughs> well, but I mean, it's a, it, like what, what uh, word vomit wants to come out of my mouth, so I'm just going to let it. It's one of those things where it's not even like what what's the tool you back it up to fucking know yourself sit down with yourself take yourself out for a cup of coffee every once in a while and be like so what works for you be curious like you said i talk with the admin be curious about why people are banging out be curious instead of judgy because guess what you find out a lot more information when you invite some curiosity than being like hey you're a douche being told i'm a douche really doesn't help me 
being asked what's going on may elicit an answer that helps us kind of figure out how to get to the bottom of things. So, because what I want to say is like, well, do this, do this, do this, do this for yourself. And it's like, yeah, but like, that's what works for me. Or that's what works for my brother-in-law. Or that's what works for my husband. You got to know what works for you. My brother-in-law, if you follow his Instagram, the man is king of kettlebells. People are literally afraid of him because he looks like a bodybuilder. Nicest guy in the world. He uses kettlebells as a way of just of strengthening body and mind. My husband is very advanced in jujitsu. Same thing. Wicked nice guy. Super chill. You see him in action. You're like, God damn, that's unsettling. For me, uh, uh, my grip is kind of teensy. So kettlebells and I have a challenged relationship. Like I said, I just got my third stripe on my white belt. I'm brand new. So I'm very likely to break somebody. So I can't do that. Yeah, but, but you'll chase somebody for 10 miles and no problem. But I have no problem running <laughs> you down. I did two marathons in two weeks because yeah. I was pissed off that I didn't get the time that I wanted in number one. Yeah. So like, that's what works for me. Yep. And is any one of these options viable for anyone else? Mm. Maybe not. Yeah. Because kettlebells are heavy. Mm. Jiu-jitsu is hard. And who the hell wants to run 50-something miles in two weeks? Yeah. It's funny because... If you think about it, right, so it, mental will for kettlebells, right, um, tactician skills and patience for jujitsu, yep, and then focus for running. Oh, and just I, like I got none of that. One, <laughs> one step in front of the other, because yeah. people are like, oh my god, I'm like, I don't yeah, think so. that I'm all that smart. I went to school yeah. for a long time, but like, it's literally just keep mm. going. I I read a study somewhere that they said that some people, some of the most mentally mental health healthy people are long distance runners because you burn that shit off well it's some it, it also said it had something to do with uh the, the same process as emdr right yeah. yep because exactly. the left right left right pattern yep so you, it's a form of bilateral stimulation yeah. that as you are running and so many people will say like i'm just thinking i'm thinking and left right left right left right at the end of a run you're like <sighs> not that anything is cured but you feel a little bit better about it yeah it's just a, it's a little bit more inefficient than actual EMDR. Yeah, yeah. EMDR is one of those things that it's another specialty. Yep. Where somebody specializes it, and then you get other people like I've dabbled in it, and if you dabble in it, it's voodoo. Right. You don't want that person to, to give you any sort of uh, treatment with it because that could screw you up even more. Thank you. All right. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by Jean Credit Union. Jean Credit Union has been helping members in the community for over 100 years. A credit union's mission is people helping people. And at Jean Credit Union, they support that mission by educating and guiding their members to make smart financial choices. Call them at 978-452-5001 or visit online at jdcu.com. That's jdcu.com to learn more about how Jean Credit Union can help you. I'm glad that I'm actually, see, I, I've actually, since I've gotten into the world of mental health, which I never really thought I was getting into the world of mental health. I just thought I was starting a, a club yeah. for people and then slowly <laughs> metamorphi- metamorphosized into something I am way out of my think process or thought process because I'm like, I am not this smart. So, But it's funny. It's like we go back and it, until you put yourself into that realm yeah. or even with um, like with our suicide prevention and uh, mental health stuff for post-traumatic stress, the more people we meet, a lot of people start going, oh yeah, 
Like I, I have somebody and I'm connected that way or whatever. And a lot of people don't process until they hear it, Yeah, you know, which is kind of cool. And that's the same thing. Like I would never have known about EMDR unless somebody said, oh, you should try it or mental health. Like if I never went to a clinician, I had no idea. Right. And I did some research on clinicians because I wanted to find the right one for me. And that's what I, I express to people all the time. It's like buying a car. <laughs> you can go to your basic clinician or you can go, I'm going to get a clinician because I have needs like a car or my lower back hurts. I want heated seats, but I have trauma. I want a trauma specialist or I have a problem with sleep or I'm a binge eater or whatever. You want to find all those options in that car that you're buying and to put it that simple. If you put that much time and effort into buying the Hyundai or Ford truck or whatever, you should be doing that for your mental health. And that's right. where we lack in society, I think, is especially with law enforcement. Like I said, in the academy, they print, you know, it's always physical health, physical health, stay healthy, stay healthy, watch you eat, everything else. And then not so much are they going mental health, make sure that you're eating good foods and staying away from alcohol right. and self-medicating on this and um, sleep deprivation and make sure that you're paying attention to your mental health. And I, I know slowly it's starting to come into the academies in, in Massachusetts. And I know New Hampshire is so far ahead of the curveball with peer support and SISM and everything else that I it's like, it's funny to catch up. We just talked about uh, with Brian Fleming on my last podcast about how far Massachusetts is behind, you know, New Hampshire and, and how Brian came up here as part of the Boston peer support group and came to New Hampshire because there was three officer involved killings in one year and they came up and sat down and helped. And a year later, New Hampshire had a bill passed for post-traumatic stress and peer support and everything else and mental health for first responders. And it took Massachusetts another seven years to get where New Hampshire was. But yet New Hampshire was, I mean, Massachusetts was coming up to help New Hampshire. Like it just, <laughs> oh, I, just yeah. I braced my brain. Yeah. So, and if you didn't, don't worry if you didn't really catch on or actually follow that because I'm still trying to figure out that whole process and how that worked. Um, the importance of mental health, obviously, it's what we do, uh, whether it's activity-driven or if it's uh, group therapy or uh, peer support. A lot of people just, I think they just really need to know that when they're starting to become in distress or, you know, because and, and, they're not seeing the signs and symptoms. Because, like I said, I was, I was in a really bad place and I didn't know what was going on with me. Um, and that's the, and it the was shit because, part. Like that's where, like, yeah. they, I wish there was like a flow chart to be like, "Hey, this is when you know you're in a shit-tastic place because that's just it. It's when you compare yourself to somebody else, you're like, oh, dude, they're really messed up.' And then you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, yeah, shit. Like even to the fact you're like, that guy is always fucking mm -hmm. bitchy, mm -hmm. and then it's like, oh, he doesn't have a good home life, or oh, he's always, yeah. you know, but maybe it's more than that, and 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 obviously it is, you know. Yeah. Like I said, I, I just, you know, when guys are coming in on their days off to work out and then hang around and walk around the police department for a while, it's why is that? Why is that why reason? Here? Yeah. It, like there's always, and I, I said like mental health is like the foundation for so much more problems, you know, is it substance abuse and, you know, verbal or physical altercations with family or, you know, just volatile relationship. It's like, it's like the stem. It's the roots of so much stuff. And a lot of people go, they look at me and go, yeah, I don't know. But you're nodding and you're a doctor, so doctors know everything. I wish. Yeah. I remember having that conversation with my advisor early in grad school where I'm like, when do I know everything? And he legit like almost peed himself laughing. Yeah. Like you will never know everything. Well, it's life. Like I said, everything changes, right? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, who would have thought that post-traumatic stress would be such a big thing now, like opposed to 10 years ago? Right. Oh, and we, yeah, we were talking about COVID because um, there's going to be post-COVID mental health issues now, yeah. especially with first responders. Like we were talking about that. And I don't even know what's on this podcast and what's not because oh. the other one was so good. And then this one will be better, of course. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. And round three will be amazing. Yeah, exactly. When when this thing shits the bed on me again <laughs> and then I owe Laura a new window. <laughs> um. But yeah, like just the difference in, in perspective, um, the fire perspective, the police perspective, and then the nursing or, or medical staff perspective yeah. of, you know, uh, everything that's going to happen once COVID disappears is, is Maybe. Did, it, did it disappear? I don't know. It, it's got like a younger brother strain out there now. It's coming around. And, that's the you know. thing where it's like, it's this collective trauma that at some point everybody's like, mm-hmm. I'm done with being traumatized. Mm-hmm. It's, and I, not that this is the best analogy, but I think about people who live in like constant war zones. Yeah. Or if you, you are in a deployed, in a deployment in like an, an active war zone where you're like, at some point you get used to the bombs and a it's just mindset. kind of like, yep. oh, 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 well, that was kind of close. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, battle mindset's a thing that is great in battle, but then when you come home, they redesignate it to post-traumatic stress. Right. And then they all they have combat post-traumatic stress. So there's there's two different ones. Oh, fabulous. But yeah, because think about that. Think about we're in and we're in such people are in such a heightened awareness, uh, like awareness in in that hypervigilance for the invisible death. Yeah. You know, with masks and not touching anything and, and stuff. To now. Is it gone because nobody's talking about it? Is it still here? There's so much confusion. Um, and then depending on what source of information, because there's so many sources of not so much fact and science, but opinion. Yeah. So, and, and throw all that in this shit stew. Mm-hmm. And now people are like, am I still eating it? What's, what's going on? So I think that that's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of trauma to that. Yeah. And like I said, before it was like, a week to get into a clinician. Now it's six months to get into a clinician because the mental health is just completely breaking down. And then it's just, everybody's like losing their mind now. It's not, there's no specific target anymore of mental health. It's not, you know, not privy to one type of person. Everybody's got it. Everybody's got it. And if it's not anxiety, it's not PTSD, it's OCD. Cause God forbid we, you think about germs and one of the the things that people obsess about is germs. That was well before COVID. And it's invisible shit. Like, it's a cold virus. Mm. Like, that's everywhere. Yeah. Have your kid in school. Good luck. Yeah. You're getting it. Yeah, because now, now and nevertheless, it's almost the, you see sci-fi movies about this. Like, right. like somebody like somebody starts coughing and they look, and next thing you know, he's got like a little trail of blood coming out, and he's like, he's got the sickness, let's burn him. Now, <laughs> if, you, if you sneeze or cough, people... They look at you, right. <laughs> you know, and now you got the they're plague. Back. Yeah, yeah. Or they're, or they're pulling their t-shirt over their face and, and running. But I remember when when COVID first started, in um, and we were all doing the bin shopping. You know, world's gonna end. Let's grab everything now. You know, because uh, it's literally it's going to be Mad Max. Uh, yeah. We're gonna be, you know. But I remember that, and then my father-in-law had said to some lady behind us, "Oh, my daughter has COVID." But he didn't realize what he meant to say was we thought that we he was we were exposed. But he's he's elderly, um, misinterprets a lot because he doesn't have wear hearing aids, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, when they said that, it looked like it looked like everybody just started scattering. I'm like, no, no, this is not what happened. So we go from that to now people like 
Oh, he's got COVID. You see you in a week. Yep. You're like, I see. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I like, oh. Or, yeah, or or not even to the point where now it's like, oh, this is a different strand. Now people like, yeah, strand, whatever. And, and that now it's so, now they're telling us high school football sports or high school results on on, uh, on the news before they're telling us about the new strand of COVID. Right. So how so do you go bizarre. from that to nothing and not expect no mental health problems? Right. Because like you're challenging people's version of reality. Mm-hmm. This is the thing yeah. that will keep me employed forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I didn't see one. Oh, there it is. I have it. In, well, so I I opened this practice mm. as COVID was starting the first slowdown before it ramped up yeah. more recently. Okay. So I was like, you know, cover your ass. Yeah. Have masks. I just came out with a consent. Oh no, word. I wasn't looking for masks. I was looking for oh. the hand sanitizer, the just thing that's going to put every lotion company. In, in business for the oh rest of God. life. So, That's so funny that you say that. Um, well, we'll wrap it up in a second. I'm not cutting you right off. Um, huh. All right. So there. So like I said, you're part of a SISM team. You're part of uh, a peer support unit for New Hampshire, uh, which Hidden Battles is hopefully going to be getting on uh, so we can work together. And the great thing is, like I said, it's awesome to have people who not only practice but actually live the life that you know our, our demograph needs. And it's great to have people to relate to. Uh, and it's great to have people to reach out to because I know I can reach out to you. And I just, I, I've all told you that, that like if I need something, I'm going to reach out to you. I'm going to put you in my Rolodex of people. I was going to say, oh. my card's right in front of you. Yeah, I don't need it. I have everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I have your email stamp shared. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, thank you so much, Laura. I wish um, I wish the first one, two didn't fuck up on us. And uh, no, I think it still came out good. So. Well, whatever. We'll do two. We'll do three. No, like we'll, this is. This is a weekly thing. It's going to be called Swearing with Trace. Swearing well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love this shit. Oh, my God. New tattoo idea. Yeah. That's there you awesome. Go. All right. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. This is so much Absolutely. fun. We'll talk again soon. Yeah. All right. Take care. Thanks, thanks. everybody. This is Hidden Battles Podcast. And thanks to our sponsors. Take care, everybody. This podcast is brought to you by Digital Federal Credit Union, dcu.org. DCU Personal Banking Loans. What can DCU save you? See how you can save money with DCU Banking and Loan Services. Switch to DCU today. Digital Federal Credit Union offers a range of products that will save you money. Switch today for free personalized quote. All right, once again, I want to thank uh, Dr. Lars Sheridan. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I think that was pretty informative. Um, you had some fun, too. I like to pick a brain on a couple other things. Um, thanks to our sponsors once again. And thank you, everybody, for following us. Um, this is Scott. Take care. Be safe.